Well, it is another evening. It's a Monday night. Then it's a little bit later than normal. But you're listening to a Train Sports Talk podcast. Your host, producer, all the above, engineer, whatever you want to call me. Anthony Smith here. And uh, we do have some news. Another coaching legend has sprouted his wings to fly away and be at rest as we so aptly say it in church he's been called from labor to rest coach John Thompson would definitely be missed Hope to have some sound clips of him later. But we have some HBCU news. Deion Sanders comes up in HBCU coaching rumors. Deion Sanders just graduated from an HBCU in early August. Could the Pro Football Hall of Fame soon be coaching at one? Reports are circulating that Sanders might or already has met with Jackson State about this recent coaching vacancy. Jackson State departed ways with head coach John Hendrick on Monday morning. WLBT's Trey Mongru is reporting that Sanders met with officials when his high school team, Trinity Christian, played in Mississippi, according to Mongru. However, Sanders is not a candidate for the Tigers' head coaching position. A source within the university refutes that claim, however. According to the source, there was no meeting with Sanders at JSU, and any contact would have been coincidental. Sanders just graduated from Talladega College earlier in August. He's currently the offensive coordinator at Trinity in Texas, but told Dan Patrick he's going to be a college coach soon. I'm going to be a head coach in a in college football next year, he said, at the Super Bowl in January. I'm that definite. I'm that assured that I am. This is something that is my calling, he said later in the interview. I'm going to coach college football. Head coach. Not coach. Head coach. Sanders recently made waves on Twitter with his comments about players deciding to sit out football as the COVID-19 pandemic plays itself out. He followed it up with an announcement that he was joining Barstool Sports after leaving the NFL Network. According to the New York Post, the position at the controversial sports outlet won't stop his coaching dreams. Given Sanders' desire to be a head coach, his recent graduation at Talladega, and his involvement with the HBCU NFL Combine, it's not a stretch to say he could see Deion Sanders on an HBCU sideline. Now, we know from the past that NFL experience does not make a successful head coach, a, foot, a, head, a successful head football coach. But Sanders' star power speaks for itself. Even more than 15 years he stepped, even more than 15 years he stepped off the football field. If Sanders, who now has his degree from an HBCU, 
wants to be an HBCU coach, he'll likely get a chance. So there you have some HBCU news in regards to Deion Sanders. Also, looking at some more news since we're talking about Jackson State and being linked with Deion Sanders. It appears as if Jackson State has also released its spring football schedule. And we hope to pull that story up sometime. However, I want to really get back to the passing of legendary coach John Thompson. John Thompson has a good track record of putting players in the pros that have had some good longevity. Uh, when you think of John Thompson and, and the likes of the players that he has coached, the names that really come to mind that really stands out, Patrick Ewing, Alonzo Mourning, Dikembe Mutombo. And no, I did not forget AI, the answer, Allen Iverson. That was the game changer right there because there was a trend going. Patrick Ewing, Alonzo Mourning, Dikembe Mutombo. John Thompson had an eye for post players. John Thompson was a big man himself. So if anybody was well-versed in that particular position and was able to coach that position, it would be John Thompson himself. He has some legendary teams. He has some teams that when they stepped on the court, they pretty much struck fear into you. One of the players I remember before it was even in style was a Michael Graham. A menacing looking, basically an enforcer type player. So now you have Patrick Ewing and Michael Graham and pretty much daring anyone to come into the lane. Chances are with those two, you would not be going back. Back in those days, even college basketball was intense. Rivalries were intense. I mean, there were some epic battles. Georgetown, Syracuse, Georgetown, St. John's. We can forget Georgetown, St. John. Those were some hot, hotly contested games. John Thompson, Coach Louis Carnesecca. Oh, and when 
Georgetown and Temple battle. <laughs> John Thompson and John Chaney. You talk about two animated guys on the sideline. That was worth the price of admission just to watch those two coaches perform in its own self. Georgetown Temple. They staged some classic battles as well, too. But John Thompson would definitely be missed. Even his time on CBS Sports. Just to hear his insight on the game and the breakdown of strategy. The man knew basketball. One of John Thompson's quotes was this right here. Don't let the sum total of your existence be eight to ten pounds of air. Don't let the sum total of your existence be eight to ten pounds of air. It's perhaps Thompson's most famous quote as he often repeated it to players and staff. John Thompson, what a coaching legend. What we're going to do here, we're going to look at some quotes from John Thompson. Right now, I'm going to take a quick break and slide in the work from my sponsor, and I'm going to come back with five inspiring quotes from John Thompson. Welcome back, and we're looking at, I guess, somewhat of the life of John Thompson. We're looking at, in this segment, we're going to look at five inspiring quotes from legendary basketball coach John Thompson. Display how he molded leadership. Legendary basketball coach John Thompson Jr. died Monday at 78 years old, his family announced in a statement. Thompson, the first black coach to win an NCAA championship. mentored numerous NBA greats, including Allen Iverson and Patrick Ewing, who stepped into Thompson's shoes as Georgetown coach three years ago. Thompson, the first black coach to win an NCAA championship, joined Georgetown University's team in 1972 when it had just come off a season with a total of only three games. Within 10 years, with a win total of only three games within 10 years, Thompson turned the program into a powerhouse. The coach was passionate about advocating for underprivileged children and racial equality. He once boycotted two games to protest a rule that would deny financial aid to students with a low SAT scores. Throughout his tenure, Thompson talked about how he succeeded in his leadership style while advocating 
for players and students. Business Insider rounded up quotes that best show how he molded leadership for so many years. Thompson likened his basketball coaching style to directing the play. I'm going to pick the script and I'm going to give them their roles. They're the actors. Their job is to learn those roles. That's what practice is about. When we go out on the court, that's our stage. Out there, they're supposed to perform as we practice. I don't want anybody making up new lines putting on their own act. Like other legendary coaches, Thompson used his prowess as a leader to turn a failing program around. The season before he was hired in 1972, Georgetown had just won three games, and it had made just one appearance in a championship game all the way back in 1943. Within a decade, Thompson transformed the losing team to a national contender, reaching the NCAA tournament Elite Eight by 1980 and becoming a powerhouse in 1981 after recruiting basketball great Patrick Ewing. Thompson attributed his team's success to mixing both talent with work ethic. Without talent, all the character in the world won't do it. But talent alone isn't enough, he said. There are great individuals and teams with lots of talent who don't win. Besides winning, he distinguished himself as a leader and mentor to many young men, including Patrick Ewing, his great center from the 1980s, and now his successor as Georgetown coach. In imposing 6'10 himself, he specialized in centers, coaching both Dikembe Mutombo and Alonzo Mourning after Ewing although the diminutive point guard, Allen Iverson, also came through his program. John Thompson once met with a drug dealer who had befriended several of his players and told him to stop coming to meet them. We cannot close ourselves off from the whole of society, he said of the meeting. Anybody who experienced the land bias situation knows we cannot isolate ourselves, seal ourselves off from people. We better start confronting these problems. At the time of Thompson and the gang leaders meeting, crack cocaine was ravaging Washington, D.C. The New York Times estimated in 1990 that one in ten of the city's residents used drugs and named D.C. the murder capital of America. But instead of paying dealers as villains, Thompson referred to them as our children. The Washington Post reported, it's not like somebody crawled out of some hole who is so different from us. Thompson said the people who were involved with gangs and drugs had grown up with his Georgetown players, and deserved empathy too. So Thompson decided to take matters into his own hands to ensure his players steered clear of violence, but with humanity. 
he invited the city's most prolific dealer, Rafael Edmund III, who was sentenced to a life without parole in 1990, to his office and told him to stay away from his players. But Thompson said he didn't accuse him of anything, and Edmund came to talk to him with good intentions. Thompson said while he felt tired by the city's drug problem, being tired when it comes to this is a luxury we cannot afford. Another quote, what I hope to do is to bring attention to the fact that Proposal 42 is very much discriminatory, Thompson said in protest of a rule that denied financial aid to students with their low SAT scores. I'm beginning to feel like the kid from the lower socioeconomic background who has been invited to dinner had dessert and now is being asked to leave. Thompson often used his power to advocate for underprivileged students. The coach boycotted two Georgetown games in 1989 to protest an NCAA rule that would take away financial aid for students who entered below a 700 on their SATs. The coach said it discriminated against students in disadvantaged high schools, and his actions led the NCAA to ultimately modify the rule. But Thompson didn't take these kinds of actions because he was soft on academics. The Hall of Famer boasted a 97% graduation rate for his players during his time as Georgetown coach, something Sports Illustrated called rare in the, the often sordid business of college athletics. John Thompson quote again, I am not trying to be anything other than what I am. And I'm really not certain what that is. Thompson also often showed humility, admitting he wasn't perfect. The coach said he knew he could work players too, too hard. And once said he spoke two languages, English and profanity. In an interview with the Washington Post in 1991, Thompson said he's not St. John. I do not go to confession seven days a week, Thompson said. I am not a father figure to my players. They all have parents, mothers, and fathers, and I think you insult those people when you call me a father image to their sons. It is not my intention to be a crusader for this cause or that cause. I don't want to be a social worker. Thompson concluded that he's not trying to be anything other than what I am. Another Thompson quote, don't let the sum total of your existence be eight to ten pounds of air. Don't let the sum total of your existence be eight to ten pounds of air is perhaps Thompson's most famous quote as he often repeated it to players and staff. During a ceremony honoring him 2012, Thompson elaborated on his saying. The saying on that wall is that 10 pounds of air in a basketball should not be your sum total, Thompson said. We said that a lot about your experience in the game because your life is useless if the only significance 
as a ball player and an athlete is 10 pounds of air in a basketball. I would tell these kids all the time, if they let all the air out of all the basketball in the world and you had no value, how significant is your life? When Allen Iverson made the Hall of Fame, he emotionally thanked Thompson for saving my life. On Monday, he repeated the message in a tweet. Thanks for saving my life, coach. Giving the outpouring of remembrances throughout the basketball community upon his death, eight pounds of air does begin to sum up Thompson's life. And there you have it. John Thompson, gone but not forgotten. I guess the best way to say this and end this segment, as far as John Thompson, and let's take these words to heart. Don't let the sum total of your existence be 8 to 10 pounds of air. I think he said it best. When he said it like this, if they let all the air out of all the basketballs in the world and you had no value, how significant is your life? That's something to think on. I'm going to slip in a break here, slide in a word from my sponsor. And when I come back, I will wrap up the last 10 minutes of this podcast. All right. Welcome back. And we're going to wrap this up here, but we're going to take a look. Uh, NBA playoffs 2020. Jimmy Butler scores 40 points to lead the Heat past the Bucks. Miami Heat strike first in their second round matchup against the Miami Heat, securing a 115-104 win to take a 1-0 series lead. Jimmy Butler showed exactly why Miami brought him to town in the offseason. Exploding for a playoff career high, 40 points, taking over down the stretch with big bucket after big bucket. But he also has some help. Goran Dragic added 27 points and bam, Adebayo, 12 points, 17 rebounds, and 6 assists. For the Bucks, Chris Middleton led the way with 28 points, while Brooke Lopez added 24, with the pair lighting up in the first half. Here are the key takeaways from today's game. Number one, Butler is big time. Jimmy Butler was a man on a mission in game one, scoring 40 points, including 13 of the Heat's last 16 points to seal the win. Butler shot an efficient 13 of 20 from the field, 2 of 2 from the three-point line, and 12 of 13 at the charity strike, driving to the basket and wheel and finding his spots from mid-range with ease. He also became the first Heat player with 40-plus points in the playoff game since LeBron James in 2014. 
After trolling at the half, Butler kick-started the rally in the third quarter with the Heat down 73-68. After burying two free throws, he scored 12 straight points to put the Heat in control. A tough night for Giannis. Giannis Antetokounmpo struggled to get going in Game 1. Thanks largely to the blanket of defenders, the Heat threw at him. Between Butler, Bam Adebayo, Andre Iguodala, and Jay Crowder, the Heat did a fantastic job of limiting Cooper's presence in the paint, shooting just 6 of 12 from the field, 2 of 5 from the three-point line, and just 4 of 12 at the free-throw line. He finished with a line of 18 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists, 9 assists, and 6 turnovers, with the Heat limiting him to just three points in the fourth quarter. The Heat showed in the regular season how well they're equipped to deal with the reigning MVP on the defensive end, holding him to 13 points on 18 shots in March, one of his worst games of the season. Tyler Hero goes bang. The rookie guard has become a fixture in the Heat's closing lineups with his elite floor spacing and shooting ability proving valuable late in games. He did it again in game one, <laughs> drilling a clutch three-pointer with one minute 34 remaining to extend the lead to 109-101, effectively sealing the win. Heat defense stands tall. After giving up 40 points in the first quarter, the Miami Heat tightened the screws on the defensive end, holding the Bucks to just 64 points the rest of the way. Impressively, they also held the Bucks to just 24 points in the paint, well below their average of 43.6 per game in the playoffs. From cutting off transition opportunities to walling off the perimeter, the Heat forced the Bucks into plenty of tough shots from the perimeter. Point number five, playoff Dragic. While Butler took over the second half, the first half belonged to Goran Dragic, who scored 19 of his 27 points in the opening 24 minutes. Dragic has been flying under the radar for the Heat, but his poise and scoring ability is proving to be the perfect recipe alongside Butler's heroics. So number six, six, point number six, up next. The two teams will face off again in less than 48 hours as the Bucks look to level the series. Game two tips off Thursday, September 3rd at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time on ESPN and NBA League Pass. So there you have it. The Heat turned up the Heat on the Bucks. The question is, can the Bucks rebound? And there's going to be a lot of people saying, this Miami team is for real. They know is this Miami team think they are for real. And it does seem as though especially if you go back to the game in March when they held into Tacumpa to 13 points, that maybe of all the teams playing in the NBA, all the teams playing in the playoffs, 
Miami just might have the antidote for beating this Bucks team. It remains to be seen. But let's pump the brakes a little bit. It's only game one of a best of seven. Let's see how Milwaukee bounces back. If they bounce back. If Miami takes a two to nothing lead in this series, if you haven't taken Miami seriously, then maybe it'd be a good time to take them seriously. This is Anthony Smith. This is A Train Sports Talk Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this short, quick episode. I will be back again. So until the next time, stay tuned. Take care of yourself, each other. Have a blessed night. A Train Sports Talk Podcast. This is Anthony Smith signing off.